This episode's a little bit different. I had the privilege of being interviewed for the Laughter Channel, which is hosted by Pat Amitstead, talking about laughter and humor and how important it is and what we can do to get better at laughter and humor. We had a great old chat. It went on for, you know, half an hour or so. Meanwhile, we talked about why humor and laughter is so serious, why life really shouldn't be treated seriously, who are some of the different idols and people I look up to in the humor realm, and also what are some of the things I do to develop humor in all aspects of life. Hope you enjoy the interview. I won't be your host this time. It's over to Pat. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Warwick, thank you so much for joining us today. I've uh, spent a little time earlier on looking at some of your testimonials from your time as a speaker and MC. And I really love the, the language that people were using to appreciate you. For example. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> For example, the awards ceremony was where you shine, said one person. When it came to my attention that some of the upcoming slides need to be corrected, with two minutes notice, you effortlessly filled in about five minutes on stage and then, when indicated, segued into the next part of the awards and nobody noticed. So your ability to improv on stage under pressure was amazing. And I just want to say to you, there's something very unique about being able to hold that space. How did you get to this point, Warwick? Uh, well, let me just talk about that incident very quickly. It was a huge award dinner. We had like 2,000 people in the room. We had, it was for a large uh, construction-based organisation. So we had a huge cement truck in. So not a cement mixer, but a big cement truck in the room. And I introduced the sales manager who was giving the awards for the first section. And the organiser waved me to the side and said, problem with the slides, you've got to fill for 10 minutes. And, you know, when someone says that, your heart just drops because you think, that's hard. But then you think, well, the only answer I can give is, of course. So I said, just give me the thumbs up when you're ready. And so it is just swing, just winging it. And but Because I knew if I said, oh, we've got an issue with the slides, we'll get back to you, I'd lose the crowd and 2,000 people to get them back is too hard. Yes. Um, so then it was just I had to go thank my sponsors and talk this. And it felt like half an hour. It was probably three minutes or five minutes. And then back on to the next one. So... Uh, the 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 way I can do that practice, and it is just practice of making stuff up. Um, I've recently just done the uh, top ten tips in ten days uh, video on there was a challenge on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and so I, I went a bit further and I thought, oh, I want to get in front of buildings that have words or things on them to really stretch that a bit. So I stood in front of the Freedom Building and yes. talked about how. People have freedom as a goal. I talk, stood in front of Bunnings and talked about you've got to have the right tools for the job. Um, I stood in front of, I oh, recently did another video. I was just, I was, had a meeting with someone in Port Melbourne. I was driving past the Spirit of Tasmania. And it's this huge boat with Spirit of Tasmania on the side. So I got out my phone and I did a video on what do you do to lift your spirit and having good spirit. So part of it is practice. Um, I've studied for the last 10 years uh, in Impro Melbourne and I perform with Impro Melbourne as an improviser. So there's a lot of that 
tweaking that tool. Um, but I love playing with words. And frequently, one of the games my wife and I play, and this is suitable for all viewers, uh, but one of the games my wife and I play is sometimes when we go to bed and she, because she's a shift worker and she's not quite tired, so she'll say, tell me a story. And I'll say, no worries. Give me two words and a name. And so she'll give me two words and a name, and I've got to come up with a story from that. So it, it's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the better you get at it. Yes. And then you get more confident knowing that you can just throw into any situation. Yeah. Uh, I love that you've done improv. I started studying improv back in 2001 and was a big part of the uh, improv bandits over in Auckland. And what I, I love the rules of improv. I, I don't know who you studied with, but the rules there were first thought is correct. All players are equal. Nobody wins if someone tries to win and you need to be open to receive and ready to give. And I just saw, number one, how that would benefit me and it cleared, cleared the filter so that I was free to, you know, come through in the way you've just been describing. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. in the business context, um, what a wonderful way to be uh, bringing people together and helping them to, you know, create some harmony and harmony and unity. Yeah, look, the improv principles are brilliant for leadership because uh, you know the basic concept of of improv is yes and take the idea someone gives you and build on it, and the same can be said for leadership. So if you if you're giving an idea and, and your leader keeps going, no, that won't work. No, that won't work. No, that won't work. Then you're not going to give ideas anymore. But if you say, what a great idea. And I reckon if we did this or tweak that or did this, you can, you can use it as a jumping station. But also, the, the one of the, again, another underlying principle of improv is it's your job to make your partner look amazing. So it is the ultimate team game. And, and I saw that there's, we got some amazing players at Impro Melbourne. One of the guys, um, Rick, I saw there's a game where it's, it's, you've got to get the hat. So basically, you both wear hats. And if you steal the hat off the other person, you win. And it was the grand final of this big competition and it all boiled down to this game and, and Rick and this, and this other young lady were, were playing the game. And he started by throwing his hat on the floor and saying, don't take that hat. If you take that hat, you'll ruin my love for you. So, and it was a great scene that played out and he knew that she would take the hat because the, the desire to win was, but he was basically giving her that because the end game is to make her look good and make the audience enjoy the process and entertain as, as he went. So it was bigger than I want to win. And that's once, and this is again in business, when we let go of that whole, I want to win and just go, how can we all just have a really good time and do something constructive? Everybody wins. There are no losers. Yeah. Yeah. My mentor back in New Zealand was a man by the name of Mike Hutchison. He was the MD of Saatchi and Saatchi. And he's probably the most genial man that I think I've ever met. Uh, he was the epitome of good humour. And I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts about what it means to be good-humoured? Well, I, I think it, to be good-humoured means to be generous. There's something about being generous of spirit. And if there's, you know, two ways to see a situation, you see it in the positive way. You always give other people the benefit of the doubt. And if you're in a situation that doesn't agree with you, you leave with good humor. You don't make a song and dance about it. It's, it's, you stand up for yourself and you can do it in a very firm and fair kind of manner. But to be good human is to look at 
what's the intent here? What's the, what's the best way to interpret this where everyone wins and where it can be an enjoyable experience? Um, and I've got to tell you, one of the most fun things that I do is when I go shopping and there's someone in the checkouts and they have a name badge on, I am having a conversation with that individual. They are not going anywhere and I can play and have a great chat with them and they love it because most people ignore them. Most people just go, yeah, how's your date? Oh, good. How's yours? Oh, good. And it's nod, nod, nod. And I'll say things like, hmm, thinking of the big money. You're not earning it, but you're thinking of it, aren't you? You know, they're laughing. When you end your shift and... And it's got to the point now that in, in our supermarket in the suburb I live is, and I, I don't know any of their names because I'll read the name tag and forget it, but they know who we are. Like after we, my wife and I had been overseas and we must have talked about it during the checkout process, the young lady said, oh, I've been waiting to see you. It's been weeks. How was your trip? You know, and so Love we it. had become memorable because we'd lifted her day because let's face it, how much fun is it going? Beep, beep. Like it's got to be boring, and we'd lifted her day, and in the process, we'd almost made a new friend out of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> do you, how do you have? How would you describe your your own sense of humour? Like I'm getting a real sense of it myself. But how would you? Oh, look, I don't think there's any situation that I wouldn't laugh at. Like I don't think life is too too short to be taken seriously, and too important to be taken seriously. And so, therefore, I can't see any situation. And I have, I've had some people go, well, you can't say that. And I'm like, well, why not? Um, I remember having a great laugh at my grandfather's funeral. Yes, it was sad. But we're having a good laugh about different things. You know, there's been some business situation. You know, we, I used to work in IT and we had this huge contract with Telstra worth millions of dollars. And just as we're about to implement, they cancelled it. And we're having a great old joke about that. But it's like, well, what else can you do? Um, and I have a very dark and naughty sense of humour. There are no bars. You know, I, my wife is a psych nurse. And so some of the stuff she faces can be pretty dark. So therefore, she's developed this coping mechanism of a, of a dark sense of humour. And I'm in there. I'm, we're having a great time. So it's, you know, we nearly killed our dog. He accidentally ate one of her medications that, that fell out of her pocket. That she had taken from a patient because they didn't need it anymore. And he's walking sideways up the corridor uh, because the, the, the medica medication had affected him so badly. We're having a good chuckle as we're sprinting to the vet, you know, but it's, you know, it, it, uh, uh, there's, there's nothing that can't be funny. I, I defy anyone. To, look, I've had friends who have had cancer and they're laughing as they're dying because it's like, what else can you do? Yes, yes. Do you think there's a difference between a sense of humour and a sense for humour? There are some people who are really good at picking out the humour in a situation. So um, some people will have a sense of humour that uh, is, you know, everyone's sense of humour is unique to them. Yeah. There'll be certain things that they love and they find funny. Um, and I know for me, I like clever humour. Um, I'm a big fan of some of the uh, British comedians who are smart whip crack smart and who will do things differently stereotypically american humor is very slapstick in your face loud um and and and, and we australians have it themselves like you know flashback to rodney rude hello uh that you know it's it, but it's not clever they're just going for the cheap laugh yeah whereas you know some of the other other people are very very clever so, but there is definitely those people who have a sense for humour who can 
pick the funny moment or who can who will have a really good pause and then throw in just a seemingly innocent comment that just cracks people up. And there are just some people who have a natural gift for it and others who work on that gift and they develop that gift and anyone can do it. I've seen people that, that you would think are very unfunny, just have an audience in fits of laughter seemingly innocently um but it's because they'd worked on it and practiced it and tried different things and tried and failed before they tried and succeeded yes yes what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you oh there's just so look there are so many funny things that at the time weren't funny but looking back sort of are like last year i broke my leg um and I'm a motorbike rider, and I'd love to say that I was doing an amazing stunt ride and a wheelie up the road, but no. No, I was at a T intersection out the front of my house, and I just slowly went around the corner, and the bike slipped, and I put my foot down, and bop went the ankle. And I'm just lying there with a broken ankle going, well, this is stupid. Um, and then I've had generously people stop and go off me off the road. But it's, it's like at times like that, I'm just like, mm, this, is, this is a bit silly. You know, my, my brother, when we were far younger, accidentally stabbed me in the foot, um, which at the time was a bit crazy, but it was a pretty funny thing. I, I, was, I was in China, I was hosting an event in China. So I was having a look around the, the Empress Palace and I was just wearing shorts and a t-shirt, it was hot. And I noticed all these school kids on groups were staring at me. I'm like, what are they staring at me for? And I just, I know no Mandarin, like a little bit maybe, you know, I'm going, ni hao, which is hello. So I've just gone, ni hao, and out came the cameras. They're all taking photos and running over with me to take a photo or whatever. And they were touching my hair because I don't see hairy people that often. So I've got very hairy leg hair and very arm hair and they're sort of touching and getting a photo. And I'm just like, this is bizarre. Like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a celebrity, you know, but I'm, I, I'm also so tall compared to them. So there has been so many seemingly innocent things that really are, are quite funny, um, you know, and that's just, that's how I choose to see it. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah. even some of the, the things like breaking my leg and, and getting a little bit stabbed by my brother. Um, you know, you've got you've to look at the funny side of it because it just, you could build up resentments very easily and I think make a situation worse. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'm blessed to have so many innocent things happen to me that I make funny or, or look for the funny side of things. Yes. I launched, look, launched, I launched the uh, first episode of the Laughter Channel at the Laughter Wellness Conference late last year. And mm -hmm. on my way to the conference, fell in the rain um, in Sydney and fell on a metal piece in the... Um, walkway and just tore my knee right open um, <clears throat> so I just knew immediately well <laughs> a funny thing happened on the way <laughs> um, and then there were just a range of things and I'm really aware of you know you could could have gone either way but it was like uh oh photo like I felt no pain which was interesting and then photo opportunity and then I'm single and three handsome men arrived with big umbrellas and it's like, well, look at this. And then there was uh, some railway um, medical team had seen me fall. So they came across the road and then, and then six firemen. It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to have to do that more often then. <laughs> and just the, and then, you know, I forwarded, you know, I'm going to be late. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and the whole thing unraveled and folded, go to hospital, get it sutured and, and went on. And I, well, you know, it was an hour or two late, but, but delivered it. And yeah. I actually didn't feel any pain for two days. It took two days to kick in, but that whole thing, uh, Anthony Aykroyd was my guest <laughs> and, you know, we just the things that unfolded in the face of a pretty horrific incident. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the way in which we can uh, learn to hold space, to, to hold that and to be with it. And um, there's a level of confidence in there too, I think, about, you know, this mm. moment because, you know, it's not like you, like you would have experienced when you come off your bike. Um, right. There's something about having a good, there's something about having a good sense of humour that allows you to handle a situation with grace, not complete grace, but it, you're, you're more likely to achieve the outcome you're after because you're keeping everyone else around you sort of a bit more calm and sedate versus panicking and getting quite tense. And you're right, you know, you, you'll get a positive spin. One of the, you know, one of the events that I hosted with, you know, I had a moon boot on and all this sort of stuff and I'm hosting a restoration conference and I was just about to talk about my own restoration project. You know, here it is. And that's, you know, you, you, you've got to learn to take advantage of situations because things will keep happening completely out of your control and that will always happen. So I think having a sense of humour is a great way to deal with it. Yes. And you've made a perfect point there about this is where humour and our humanity come together because the people in the audience had the moon boot on and the people in the audience uh, are going to get, you know, there's so much you can use to play with that, but they're going to see your humanity and your good humour alongside what it is, you know, the role that you're fulfilling on. Um, mm. and, and so we make that deeper and really personal co connection. They're, they're seeing who you really are. Oh, the number the number of people the number of people who would come up to me and go, Oh, I broke my leg this and oh you ride motorbikes or I do and it just allowed a different level of connection and in ways that um, probably wouldn't have happened had I not had that accident. So yeah, look there's there's always gonna be a positive side for it. Sometimes you've got to wait quite some time to find it. <laughs> I love the concept the philosopher Kierkegaard said life has to be lived forward but understood backwards. And I think that's a very powerful statement. And there are times where it's like, you know what? No one gets out alive. No one's as important as they really think they are. So have a bit of a laugh and enjoy the journey and um, look for the funny stuff on the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, is there someone whom you admire greatly in the world of humor? Uh, definitely. Robin Williams has just been uh, an absolute idol of mine for so long. Um, I remember when I found out that he passed away, I was shattered. Um, I actually, I'm feeling a bit teary now. He's talking about, he's an amazing guy, a very, you, no one knows him. No one ever, like any interview with Robin Williams was always the persona. You never, never got to see the real him, but a brilliant man in so many ways. I'm, I'm also a big fan of the, the Monty Python crew. I think some of their almost surrealist comedy and, and cutting edge comedy was, was very good. Uh, there's another guy, um, Russell Brand, a Canadian Indian, my wife's subcontinental. Um, and so therefore I, I really appreciate that humor because there are different cultural things that so many people do. And I like that breaking down the cultural boundaries. Um, but again, look, Australia, we, we've got some very, very funny, funny people out there who, uh, who have 
continually and constantly put out some really quality material and have learned like Hamish and Andy, uh, who are a radio show host and TV show host here in Australia. They do some very, some very clever stuff and some of it's not so, so good, but what they continue to do is for many, many years, churn stuff out. The degeneration. I was a huge fan of the degeneration and watch their TV shows, listen to them on radio. Uh, I now watch, have you been paying attention, uh, which is pretty much the degeneration all again. Uh, look, um, oh, Dave, Dave, there was a guy with a finger missing, an English guy who'd sit down with a glass of scotch and tell stories. Dave my dad Allen. and I, Dave, Dave Allen. Allen. Yeah. My dad and I would watch Dave Allen. Um, <laughs> now, now, Benny Hill is a sexist uh, individual, but some of his stand-up, like when he'd stand there at the end and have about three or four people behind him and sing a song or tell a story or whatever, some of that was fantastic. So, again, with a lot of comedy, you've got to filter out the 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 gold um there's a guy in the states it's really interesting talking about uh, comedy what used to happen is we would listen to our politicians and laugh at our comedians but now we're <laughs> laughing at our politicians and listening to our comedians there's yeah. a guy called jim jeffries an australian guy who is completely not suitable for work incredibly rude but he does this amazing sketch on gun control um, and it is incredibly accurate. Uh, so yeah, he's very good. Uh, Craig Ferguson is very, very funny. A brilliant late night TV show host, Scottish guy based in the U S who's finished up on the late, late show, but he, I love, he would interview guests who are coming on to flog the latest movie and he'd have these cards and he'd go, right, I've got these questions, rip them up and throw them away and just chat like a real person and do it funny. That's, so there are, there are many different comedians and comedians. Um, like Denise Scott, she is a cracker and she's so funny. And there are, there are some very funny um, people out there. Uh, and and we're, I'm blessed to have been around when there's someone, Stan Freeberg, oh, for the young kiddies out there, if you don't know who Stan Freeberg is, Google him. Before television, he was doing some amazing radio stuff. There's a fantastic sketch called Elderly Man River, which to this day makes me laugh with joy about having a censor saying, well, you can't say old man river, it's elderly man river. And so he sings this song and has to change it on the fly. It is brilliant. So yeah, look, there's a whole, there's a whole stack of very, very funny people out there, but Robin Williams is probably the guiding force for me. Yeah. Um, uh, but there, there's many who have had an input. Yes. Yes. When he passed much the same as you, I really felt the impact of that. And yep. for me, it just was a, you know, he created a big vacuum and, mm. you know, those of us who've all been inclined in this area are uh, a space for us to fill. Uh, yeah. Because there won't be another one of him. No, but, no. But and, and look, to be honest, I'm not sure you'd want there to be um, because he was a very troubled individual on many levels um, and that he spoke about openly. But I just think it's like every comedian is just that little bit different. And, um, you know, he will always be Robin Williams. And, um, you know, yeah, he's just a very, very, very funny man. Yes, very unique. <clears throat> I've been exploring well, since 2001, probably, the, the whole idea of humour having its own intelligence. What do you think about that idea? There are so many different contributing factors. 
Um, and I know there's there's a trend about intelligence. You know, originally there was the seven levels. Gardner, I think it was, who did talked about the seven different intelligences. Yeah. And then they've gone on to emotional intelligence and some people doing spiritual intelligence yeah. and there some other different things. I'm not sure that it's an intelligence. Um, I definitely think that there are some people who will seek out humor. I think there will be some people who will be very gifted at doing humor, but even within humor, there are people who have different abilities. There are some like um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld's humor is so planned and so strategic. Uh, in an interview with him, he was talking about how he writes all his stuff word for word and goes over it many, many times to get it right. You've got to get it right. Yet, if you look at Robin Williams and plenty of other improv stuff, it's like, we're doing it on the spot. We're just, and it's a quantity versus quality. And I've said to a lot of my contacts, like I just keep saying one-liners and I know if I say a hundred, I'm going to get a laugh on at least three or four. So I just, as a numbers game, just put throwing it out there versus going, I'm going to tell two or three jokes and they'll be perfect and everyone will laugh at it. So um, I think there's different abilities within it. Is it an intelligence? I'm not sure. Um, it can be a learned skill. Um, I did an interview recently with Murray from the School of Hard Knock Knocks here in Melbourne. And um, they've actually just released a, a TV series where they're um, sort of a documentary following these people going through the, the, that how do I be a stand-up comic. And, and again, being a stand-up comic is very different from being funny. Because your audience is very, very different. I, I consider myself a funny person and funny on stage when I'm hosting an event. I am by no means a stand-up comedian. Because when you're a stand-up comedian, you go on stage and the audience is there going, you make me laugh. <laughs> and you know, maybe they've had a couple of bevies. Maybe they've got some people in the audience who think they're funny and I'm going to throw lines at you. So <laughs> it's a different beast. Absolutely. And, so, and, it, and it takes, you know, it's a completely different skill set. Um, but you know, if someone like, uh, like Billy Connolly, like he's, he's a funny guy and in different situations, he'll go off left of field and it's, it's a very different, um, but I, I think there's a skill in being, in being funny in that you've got to let go when it's not funny. Um, I've seen too many stand up comedians that didn't get the laugh they wanted with their joke. And so would turn around and abuse the audience, um, or have a dig at the audience. Um, so it's, it's, you've got to be so good at, you've got to be so resilient because uh, the number of things I say, things I think are hilarious and they're not, and they land, <laughs> if not flat, they land hard. So it's, you've got to be resilient. Yes. I remember once I'd asked an audience of real estate agents, 97 men and three women um, to do this little lighthearted activity and are all sitting in their pinstripe suits, left leg crossed over right and the arms folded and they didn't do it. <laughs> it was like, oh, this hasn't happened before. Where do I go? And so I just leaned forward with my hands out, uh, just like in a, a smaller embrace. And I just kind of whispered into the mic, you're not going to do it, are you? <laughs> and, you know, it, it relieved everything and, and I just moved on. Um, mm. And someone remarked to me later um, that they really got how uncomfortable what I'd asked them to do. So it had had the impact anyway, even though they didn't mm -hmm. participate, it had still prompted them to be to another level of awareness. Yeah. Yeah. About where they wouldn't go. So yeah. it was interesting. The, I toured with Patch Adams in 2004 
And um, on that tour, he shared with me a story about his mother. She's a diabetic and had lost one leg as a result of poor circulation. And Patch was there at the bedside when she woke up and patting her hand and leaned in as her eyelids fluttered open and said, well, Ma, now you know what it's like to have one foot in the grave. <laughs> and, you know, I really got when he told me that, it's like, yes, and only you could have said that in that particular circumstance and, you know, had fits of laughter. Without mm. context and without relationship, it's inappropriate. So, you know, being able to, a lot of people, I think initially when they start to play with their own humour and being able to use it in speaking, for example, uh, it's a bit of a journey to get to um, what's, you know, what's appropriate and what's not. Mm. How do you know when you can push the boundaries and when not? I have been accused <laughs> of sprinting over the line of decency on many, many occasions. Um, I'm less concerned about what's appropriate and what's not. Um, if you frame it up well, for example, I do tell a lot of stories about my in-laws and they have a very thick accent because they have been in Sri Lanka for a very, very long time. And if I don't frame it up and say, my parents-in-law are Sri Lankan, this is how they sound. I am not having a go at them. This is how they sound. Um, and, and so that, that sort of gives me permission, so to speak. So you, you're setting that frame. I call it inoculation. You're letting them know up front, this is okay. Because it's all about, I want the, the audience has to feel safe. The audience has to feel relatively comfortable. So by putting that framework and saying, when I have a conversation with my in-laws, this is how it physically sounds, it's okay. And then a lot of the things that I'll say in that accent, um, many other families have said, but just in, in their own accents. Stuff like, um, my mother-in-law, when we when I first met her and, and getting into the relationship, we'd go around, and then even to this day, you go around there, she's a brilliant cook. And so there's, it's not just a dish of curry, it's a table full of curry and it's, it, it, it. she actually says, it, it, it. So you have to have a plate full and you eat it. She's like, is that what you're having? You must have some more, have some more, you did have some more. So you have some more. And then she's like, don't you like my cooking? Is that all you're having? So you have to eat some more and you eat some more. And then after dinner, she's like, no, Eric, why are you so fat? <laughs> and so you've, so you've gone from this, you've got to eat something and now you're really fat. And like the number of Jewish friends, Greek friends, you know, because food is love across many cultures, food yeah. is love. But that's the way that you can, that I, I tell it, but you've got to have a framework so people don't think, is he being racist? Because if they're too busy thinking that, they won't hear the joke, so to speak. Um, but I think, you know, part of a, a, and I'm not saying I'm a comedian, but part of a humorous role is to help people break boundaries. Um, and so, for example, a couple of my speaker buddies have disabilities for whatever reason. And one of them has no legs, so he has these fake legs. And, and I, and we were talking, I say, are you, do you make yourself taller? And he's like, oh yeah. Um, my, my nephew says he was, you know, he's getting taller. He's going to be taller than me. So my next set of legs, I got like an extra inch of height on him. So he couldn't catch up. So, you know, they can joke about that kind of thing. He did say it ruins his golf game because he had custom made clubs that are now an inch too short. <laughs> but, you know, these are the, like, there's a perspective you would like as a person with, with legs that work, you're never going to think that. 
but to all of a sudden go, wow, I can get longer legs. I could be taller. And for them to have a bit of fun uh, themselves, like Steady Eddie, um, he, he had, um, oh, not cystic fibrosis, the other one. Um, so he had cerebral palsy. And so, and he'd get up and do all these jokes that uh, uh, an, uh, an able-bodied person couldn't do. But they were very funny because all of a sudden you're seeing it from his perspective. You know, as an example, one of his jokes was, I won the local dance competition. I was just walking across to get a drink, you know. And, and it's the kind of thing that you just, that's the joy of humour is you twist things in a different light. So sometimes it can be confronting. You never know what's going on in someone's life. You never know their background. But part of it is to always look at what's the intent of this. Is it the intent to, to offend me? Or is the intent to actually try and entertain me or encourage me to learn different things? So I haven't always been the best judge of what's decent uh, or what is, you know, civil protocol, so to speak. But um, for me, in, professionally, I'll just say to the organiser, what, what are the boundaries? What do you want? And for example, I've got an event coming up that the audience is 500 people, but they're pretty much blue collar workers. And they've said to me, you can go to town, do whatever you want. Just don't say the C word. And so that is the loosest guideline I have <laughs> ever had. Um, and, and, you know, it's, but it's just like, okay, well, it's at least we know that's what the boundary is. And yeah. there are others, yeah. like, you know, for example, in the States, it, they have a different uh, approach. And so you can't talk about religion. You can't talk about politics. You can't swear and like and i'm not saying you know offensive swear words like if you say the word god or god damn it offends so many people you've really got to know your audience mm. so professionally it's about knowing your audience but just personally when you're talking with people i suppose it is again knowing your audience and knowing when they're willing to be pushed and when they're willing to just not even go there yeah wonderful we're coming close to our time can you can you share just one more thing or, or maybe, maybe you would share, I noticed behind you, you've got your bacon is a bit of a theme in your, oh, your... yes, <laughs> do love bacon. Tell us I mean, about I bacon. I didn't mean for bacon to be a thing. Look, as some of your observers might see, I, I'm what's classified as a nutritional overachiever uh, or successful around the girth. And, and, the, and a lot of that is because I do love food, um, as my mother-in-law has pointed out to me. But um, I've always been a fan of bacon, but not as big a fan as what people think. And so this, this plaque, bacon makes everything better. A friend of mine gave it to me. I had another friend who, who gave me some bacon candy. Um, so all of a sudden, I'm developing a bit of a brand around bacon, which was just done as playfulness. But I get tagged in a lot of posts about bacon um, and people talk about bacon. So I'm like, well, if, if people are going with it, who am I to disagree? And so, you know, I get people, and I'm a purist. I like bacon. I don't like bacon-flavoured things because bacon donuts, like, come on. Seriously, people, get with the game. Um, but look, one of the things that I will say to you, and it's, it's to do with humour. Um, I once um, was at a, away at a music camp. I play a bit of music. And the minister for fun at the camp said to me that if it's not fun, don't do it. If you have to do it, make it fun. And, and to me, that was just such, I, I'd unknowingly been living that kind of philosophy. And I think it's a really important philosophy. I think, as I said earlier, life is far too important to take seriously. No one gets out alive. Yeah. He who dies with the most toys is still dead. Yes. So it's like, 
you've got to you've got to enjoy the ride and make it fun not just for you but for other people around you so that you know there's a lot of people going through a whole lot of stuff and sometimes that stuff is they just really need a coffee but can't get away from the checkout for the next three hours because they're on shift so it's like a simple little joke a use of their name uh, uh, a polite observation about their complete lack of sunlight are they turning into a vampire whatever it is you know it, it can be uh, a highlight to their day and, and a bit of a joy for yours. So if, if you have to do it, make it fun. And if it's not fun, don't do it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today, Warwick. Uh, I actually took advantage and downloaded uh, one of your eBooks today, uh, where you share what makes a good call to action. And I was tickled because in there, I read this comment where you wrote, um, and I won't share the full story, but one of my wives got excited by an infomercial and I have to ask, how many have you had? <laughs> yeah, I've had two wives um, and I've still got the second one and she's a keeper. But yes, it's, I, I will oftenly refer to, or, or my wives always tell me, or, or one of my wives has said, and people always go, did he say wives? And because it's, it's factually accurate, but it's what's not expected and that, that can make it so funny. Yes. And, you know, it evokes humour and there's there's an awful lot of light humour throughout your website. So I really commend you for that because that's what enrolls and engage, engages people. Um, Thank you. I remember some sometimes, uh, or some time back, I, um, I ran a overcoming flirtophobia workshop uh, for a singles group. <laughs> And we were going through pickup lines and somebody in the audience said, oh, I've got this great one. And they said, oh, you know, you just kind of walk up to the bar and there's a handsome man there. And, and you say, oh, my goodness, you just you look just like my third husband. And hopefully they'll reply and say, how many have you had? <laughs> and your reply is two. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Warwick, how can people find you um, to engage with you, perhaps subscribe to your newsletter? What's the best way? Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you. Look, the easiest way is just Google Warwick Merry. Uh, Warwick spelt Warwick Merry as in Christmas. That's the easiest way. It'll go to warwickmerry.com. Um, and yeah, sign up. I got a little newsletter that I send out every Monday, just a quirky little observation on life that um, is small enough to read in your preview pane and hit delete. It's not going to clog up your inbox, but it's just a quirky observation, a bit of fun. Awesome. Warwick, Mary, thank you so much for being with us. You've been watching uh, another episode of The Laughter Channel where human interest meets humour interest. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick, Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. GetMoreSuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.